How do I start this one? Forget. <laughs> hey, everybody. I'm oh, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Because uh, we've been doing Spotcast every week, so I've got the Spotcasting in my head. Yeah, that has a different style. And episode 319. So how do I say it? Hey, everybody. Welcome to more. This is Morgan Jessica. How do I say this? I don't know. It sound weird. All right. Uh, hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 319 of the More Than Just oh, okay, Code thank, podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, got That you. sounds about right. All right. All right, hey everybody, welcome to episode 319 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Jaime Olympus Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And we have Mark Rubin on the line in San Jose, California. Hello. All right. But Tim, I got to say, you did it wrong. Why? Because you did it right. <laughs> there was no burner one in there for those of you who. Uh, I'm don't a professional. In the, uh, recording here. <laughs> what, are you, what are you saying, Jaime? I'm saying for those of you who don't participate in the recording, there's usually like a burner one, you know, you just, you know. <laughs> One burner, you gotta, you gotta warm up a little bit, you know, just like just, just well, take yeah. the top one off and then just throw it away and then just use the next one after. Yeah, that. but then I also do I also do some editing, so they don't they don't hear the don't the, the second take and the third take. Sometimes I say hi. Well, that's why he's explaining. And, yeah, because yeah, <laughs> I know. I guess this. we assume they don't know. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I've published a few of those a few of those thingies. Anyway, so let's let's dig in. Do we? Oh God, do we have any fact check? I can't even remember. It's been so long, right? <laughs> you know the the if you didn't figure it out yourself. You, it probably wasn't that important. Uh, yeah, is what I would been... say to the listeners, like if you if there wasn't some burning fact that we got wrong, then uh, then it's okay. Yeah. The uh, the statute yeah, of limitations yeah. has expired on these. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, speaking of that, do we have any ask MTJC, homie? We do. We have one from a uh, longtime friend of the show, Sean Marston. Uh, mm-hmm. Interested to know if you guys have discovered this uh, quote non 3D touch issue with new Apple iPhone 12 issue. and etc. It is far too easy to inadvertently put the torch or flash, if you prefer, when uh, yeah. on when pulling it out of a pocket. And and I would say, yes, I have done that and said, why? Oh, that's right. Because it doesn't do 3D touch anymore. I don't have to sort of give it some force. It just you know does a long press timer. And depending how I pull that out of my pocket, I've definitely had the, the flashlight just beam me right in the face. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have, I have a, I'm fumbling here in my hand with a, with a new uh, Pro 12 Pro, but it's still, still in the box, even though I've, I have used it and built, did a build to it. But um, yeah, it belongs to the company and uh, but I, ha- I I don't try- I don't leave it on because I want to keep the battery. So yeah, I was going to try it out, but I got to fire it up. And but I, ha- I haven't really sort of walked around with it much, right? So yeah, I'm the same way. I I haven't had the problem, but I don't actually put it in my pocket much and walk around with it, it right. these days since I never leave the house. But it, but the often. 3D touch thing is or so I guess I guess the, the issue is that the older phones still have the mechanism for 3D touch. Is that what the, the deal is? No, the the so I haven't gotten a new phone, and I guess spoilers. We're going to talk about new phones later this episode. With the old iPhone 10 that I used to have, I would almost never accidentally turn on the camera or accidentally turn on the flashlight from the lock screen because you sort of had to give it a little bit of oomph to get it to trigger, right? It's the way the 3D touch worked. Um, but now that they removed that out of iOS 14 and certainly don't have the hardware, I believe, in the new iPhones, it's just, as far as I can tell, just a long press. So yes, it's entirely possible that, you know, as I put my hand on my phone to get it 
out of my pocket, I might have be, you know, touching the corner and it's like, oh, I feel a thumb there. Great. That's long enough to trigger the the action and fire off the flashlight or the camera. Yeah. So I got to mm-hmm. say that must be it must be a hardware thing because I have in my hand an iPhone XS and um, when I press down on the, I feel a haptic like click when I do it. But if I just tap the, if I'm sitting here and tapping right, right now, I'm just tapping, you can't hear it, but I'm tapping my thumb on the, on the screen and nothing's happening, but I have to actually hold it or press it or whatever. But, but I do feel a haptic feedback when, when I do that. Right. So, well, yeah, force touch definitely was a hardware thing that they've turned off. Yeah. So, so what I'm saying is like, I'm running 14.1 on, on my, my personal phone, but it's, I'm, and it's not doing the thing that Sean's saying his is doing. Right. So, cause he's got the new shiny iPhone 12, I guess. Right. The 12's out already. iPhone 12. Yeah. I know pre-orders happened. As opposed to the pro or the the pro, the pro 12 order, the the regular size 12 was, was a pre-order like a couple uh, end of October. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, cause I just got mine like last week, which is beginning of November. And then, um, the, I think the, the, the 12 itself and the mini were, were like a week or two later for the pre-orders. Right. I mean, and I think it was a couple weeks, maybe almost three weeks difference. Cause I was surprised, um, when people said, oh yeah, like the minis and and maxes are in pre-order. I'm like, what really barely, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I I suppose that they're making their way out there. Yeah. I mean, I got got my phone like right away. So I I had no troubles this, this year. Yeah. You have a pro or a 12 pro or 12 pro max. I got the 12 pro. Okay. Um, Yeah. So we'll, we'll definitely yeah, talk about th- thoughts about those things. Uh, yeah, those were those were available. Those those were the first pre-order, but the Max and the Mini, I think they just came out last week. If they've not, if not already, let me just see. Here. I'm just gonna go and see what's on pre-order. Do, 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 do. If I go to a 12, yeah, it looks like I can buy them now. I gotta say, so I bought Carol a um, a red a product, red a watch six, right? Not that she needed a watch; she didn't. She just likes the red, and um, so we got her that one. But I wanted to buy it with the solo braided loop right and i ordered it like you know from the get-go i couldn't order it with the loop like i couldn't order the braided loop um on day one and of course her birthday wasn't until last week so the 14 day you know return it if you don't like it kind of thing had already expired so i'm stuck you know mm-hmm. i mean not stuck but she has a red uh sport band what do you call the sport the one where it wraps with the velcro um sport band or whatever anyway but yeah it kind of annoyed me that i couldn't couldn't order the loop right from the, from the get-go i would have waited like a week or two like i'm not you know should let me pre-order it what are you going to do? All right, so this next one is PSA. It's kind of stale. Um, I think I posted this back in September, um, so it may still be happening. But this was a weird thing that was happening where um, you might have gotten a, a message from uh, saying something from uh, Google Syndication um, wanted to download an application to your phone and, or to your, your Mac. And this was something related to, I mean, Apple's done this now with, with most of the things you download from a site for the first time. It asks you if you want to allow downloads from them, and it's part of the privacy thing, but for some reason, this one particular there was a, a rogue ad that had gotten out um, that had a download in it, and uh, so uh, Apple's uh, privacy setting was catching this. And I th- hopefully by now Google has updated this. What's the date on this post? Yeah, September twenty third. Um, it's pretty stale, but yeah, it was just sort of a PSA. And there's a tip here on how you can go in and, and stop it. And what you had to do was actually. Um, uh, set it to, set your setting to deny when it, when uh, without allowing you know having um, sites ask you if you want to 
download things down. So download things. So that was sort of a weird uh, thing. It happened to me a few times. I think I think one of you guys mentioned it on Slack. I don't know if you remember or not. Like a month ago. No. That one. That wasn't me. Yeah, it wasn't me because I'm I'm not using Safari. So right. Okay. Well, and and so this is another one too. We've talked about um, uh, in the past the, the the trials and tribulations, as Jaime likes to say, of the fact that I'm sort of the test subject because on the on the podcast because I still run I still run with two Apple IDs, right? One for iCloud and which is my old dot Mac uh, mobile me account and my iTunes account is on a different Apple ID, right? And uh, so I've had to add both of those to a family account with along with Carol and stuff like that, so we can so I can have you know my cake and eat it too. Um, and we were looking forward to Apple One, which uh, was which is basically a way to get um, bundled uh, services instead of separate services. Like I pay separately for iCloud now and music, and I, I was trying Arcade and and there's one other thing which I'm forgetting now. News, I think. Um, and uh, last Friday, Apple rolled out the one Apple One, so you can right away. You can, so if you haven't didn't know that yet, this may be news to you. But you can you can actually sign up for Apple One now. But one of the things I noticed in in, in reading through the, the documentation is that when you uh, sign up for um, one, Apple One, you can choose which of your multiple Apple IDs will become the primary one, which is the big problem that I've had for the last you know ten years or five years or whatever. Is that Apple wouldn't consolidate my two Apple IDs into one, right? For whatever reason, but um, I guess you know their old COBOL archive doesn't, or COBOL database doesn't work to do that. But um, yeah, and I'm I'm only being partially facetious on that. But the uh, but the fact that now that I can choose the one Apple ID that I want to be my primary, hopefully will take over my family account. Hopefully will take over my all my Apple services under one umbrella. So looking forward to that. So that's something that's that's interesting. And I've I've asked some of our buddies on the MTJC Slack uh, about their experiences, and one of them said that he's already done this. He he did a, a thing where he was able to um, consolidate his accounts into one one Apple ID, which is good. All right, um, next one. Yeah, and this is another one. This came up with us at work. Uh, we ta- I think we talked about this before that Apple changed the privacy setting. They, all, they do this every every iteration of iOS, at least, right? Where they they change the privacy requirements. And I think we talked about this at uh, during the WWDC stuff that they had changed the requirements for privacy settings uh, in, in the metadata on your app, not necessarily in the app itself. I mean, you still have to do all the camera and calendar and all that kind of stuff. But the the uh, they're asking that you um, have all your metadata privacy uh, strings and whatever in your account before you try it before December 8th, which is coming up quick, right? Because we're what it's like a month away from now, you know, three, four weeks to get all your, your privacy stuff. And there's a link here. This is from the Apple News um, uh, site. And uh, there's a link here on, on the details and what they're asking for. If you follow that link through to see what they're what they're asking about, like things like data collection, like if you're collecting data for Google Analytics or whatever, just like websites, you have to sort of um, acknowledge that that kind of stuff. Um, the kind of data that you're collecting, name, address, email address, phone numbers, you know, um, shipping addresses, that kind of thing, payment information, you know, location. They, of course, this this new uh, location setting in um, in uh, uh, iOS 14 takes in, takes effect now because now you can have sort of a, an approximate location or a precise location. Previously, you know, um, an app could tell where you were, like within a within a geofence, but uh, now they can only sort of approximate. They're not allowed to if you opt out of letting letting them know exactly where you are. They'll kind of suggest there's a Starbucks near you, kind of thing. <laughs> um, and other thing, other things that might that you might. Want. Well, there's always a Starbucks near you, so that's yeah. Easy. So it's kind of a kind of a <laughs> bad example. That's true. It's true. But uh, yeah, just sort of information like diagnostics, logs, that kind of stuff. Like I think you know, um, as developers, we we hope that our our users will opt 
into the sending us information on the crashes so we can you know get the dev- the bug logs from from Apple um, or the crash logs from Apple and fix up our, our software um, but yeah just you know interesting stuff that they've added into this thing and of course you know like I said December 8th is currently the deadline for getting this stuff in um, and I think this article was posted yeah November 5th like last week so not a lot of notice but I, I pretty sure we have talked about this haven't we before you guys remember it was the like nutrition label thing is what I remember yeah yeah right right yeah like I don't know if people have these in their countries but those who don't know in the United States at the very least like which is what I can speak to if you buy a can of chicken soup it will show you a nutrition label on the back that one sort of verifies that yes the ingredients at least vaguely include chicken as part of uh, the requirements but also tells you like you know this has a 10% of your daily intake of iron and probably 35% of your daily intake of sodium and etc etc I think that's what this was sort of modeled for as I remember if this is the correct privacy thing we're talking about yeah kind of a, exactly. a nutrition label for what is it that this app does with my data yeah, yeah exactly yeah I noticed even in overcast that uh, they're now putting posting in there and this may be part of this thing that um, you know we're we're ho- we host our website or podcast with fireside and fireside has some you know stat stats collection that they do um, so you know if you go to more than just code and you click on the if you go into overcast and you swipe to the right you'll see a sort of statement about the fact that we're with fireside and that and we didn't publish this fireside did right and then or maybe overcast it and then uh, and then it shows you know what what stats collection they use to to do that to do with that service so that's an example of, of something if you wanted to go and look at it today kind of thing um, but that's the kind of information that Apple's looking for us to be um, transparent about all right um, so Jaime you're up with Roku yeah I actually just tested this out just a little bit right before this very show so apparently the Roku devices or at least some subs out of them are getting airplay 2 and apparently homekit but I don't have any homekit devices can't test that but I did test out airplay 2 and uh, it looks like it works pretty well I was able to mirror my screen uh, I didn't try pushing it hard with anything like serving a video or anything but mm-hmm. it works just like I would expect it to work with uh, an Apple TV so that was pretty nice so you can if you're watching a video on your phone you can push it up to the Roku kind of idea right yeah yeah so this was one of the things that uh, when I went down the Roku uh, path which longtime fans of the show would know that there's a, a, a tangled and convoluted path that the original reasons for going down this route or no longer um, valid business reasons uh, and the one last holdout was oh yeah maybe I could get an Apple TV once this Roku device dies because the thing I can't do is integrate with AirPlay uh, but no right. longer so now they're functionally similar for my use case and I think this really plays into Apple's sort of um, opening things up more in its ecosystem given that it's focusing more on services like Apple One Apple. So do you so your Roku device is an old like it's in your TV or something like that right or you have a hardware Roku? I have a, a hardware Roku it's like a little um, little brick uh, the older one used to be closer to like a hockey puck size but this one is you know more like a small little box and and it has that connected to the TV which the TV is just a dumb TV right yeah yeah, so, yeah I have at least a, I, I treat it like here. a dumb monitor if it has smart TV capabilities we never used it so right yeah I have a Roku here too but I've, I've never actually plugged it in <laughs> my mother has a Roku in her house that's just why I got one and set up an account so I could see what's going on with it um I have to support it of course right 
right? So the Roku that you currently have is an older one, and you're, and you're able to take advantage of this new service. So it's like a software update kind of thing, or yeah, it's not the latest and greatest Roku Premiere. Um, it's at least one year, maybe two years behind. I'm not sure how long ago mm. I got it, um, but apparently it qualified for the the compatibility with this update. Right. I suddenly saw that my Roku was a uh, an AirPlay receivable device when I was looking at my phone. It's like, oh, I guess this article applies to me. Great, I can talk about it. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Well, speaking of old posts, this is one's from September too. So what do you got here, Rami? Yeah, and 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 in the interest of of getting Apple's software and other things onto other uh, ecosystems, uh, this is a post from Swift.org talking about Swift on Windows. Mm-hmm. I'm bringing that there. So uh, not a ton to say here. It looks like it's the very beginnings, but you know, nice to see that um, Swift can be used outside of other contexts. We certainly we've talked about um, doing things on uh, server side, but you know, mm-hmm. expanding the base to include Windows users it just adds more people to the language community. Nothing else. All right. So how, what does this do for somebody on Windows? Let's them build a little app or whatever? Or? Yeah, they show like a little calculator app type example. Um, I don't know their particulars and what the limitations are. I mean, folks might remember that server uh, server side Swift um, didn't have one-to-one parity with things you might do on mm. macOS or iOS, given that a lot of the foundation pieces had to be like foundation, literal foundation, had to be uh, re-implemented to run on other operating systems and not make use of underlying uh, libraries and frameworks that were baked into iOS and macOS. So I, I don't know the details for the Windows side, but I would just assume that you probably will have it. So if you're like really excited, like, oh, now my Swift UI project can just run on Windows, like eh, probably not, but possibly in the future, maybe, you know, keep your hopes up and maybe it'll happen. Or, you know, pull requests accepted, I'm pretty sure. So maybe <laughs> maybe you can be the change that you want to see in the world. Right, right. Uh, so yeah, we, while we were away, we were on break here. Um, it was a couple of events, I think, that uh, the, the iPhone event happened while we were on break, right? The new iPhones that came out? It did, it did. So uh, as we were sort of saying earlier in the show, the, I mean, by now, you know, we have a new iPhone 12, um, iPhone 12 Pro, iPhone 12 Pro Max, um, iPhone mini, which is a smaller version of the iPhone, uh, still not as small as an SE, I believe, right? And uh, and as, as well, a HomePod mini, right? Uh, which I think that's sort of, um, somebody asked, well, that's our, I think on our um, our Slack channel, they asked if we could talk about uh, our, our individual purchases for this stuff. So why don't we just sort of cover off, you want to, what do you, how do you want to do this uh, iPhone uh, stuff here? I, I, one post that I, that I put here as a sort of talking point is that um, somebody's done a side-by-side screenshot of, um, or photograph of the iPhone 11 Pro and the iPhone 12 Pro Max. Sorry, are they both Maxes? I guess, yeah, they're both Pro Maxes. So the 11 Pro Max and the 12 Pro Max, uh, one, the, the, the 11 is a 6.5 inch diagonal screen and diagonally only measured and the 12 is 6.7 so it's it's just like it's like bigger but um it does it's obviously you know in the side by side picture you can see quite a bit how much bigger it is it, i think proportionally the the notch seems to be smaller um you have a pro right i mean just a regular pro you have the 12 pro that's right yeah did you notice that the notch is a little bit smaller than the, the 10 and the 10s i i, I guess i mean I, I didn't scientifically compare this and do measurements <laughs> with my uh, my 10 to compare. Um, I, I suppose, like, the screen definitely is, not- it jumped right out at me, like, how much bigger it is compared to the iPhone 10. Um, and the device itself is definitely noticeably bigger. So I'm kind of not surprised that the, the 11, Mac- 11 Pro Max and the 12 Pro Max would, would seem different as well. I imagine it'd be just as, as noticeable to you uh, if you upgraded from one to the other. Yeah, actually, just turning on this this uh, Pro, the, the 12 Pro that I have in 
in my hand. You know, it it doesn't look that much different. I mean, the 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 width of the earpiece is is narrower, and of course, it's got the metal edges like the uh, four and five, right, yeah. with the antenna brakes in it. Looking at the picture, it looks like the physical size of the notch is actually the same on both devices, but just but because the screen is bigger in the in on the twelve Pro Max, it re- the, the notch looks relatively small. Plus the little candy box that this phone comes in, right? <laughs> Without the power, that was the big. We I think we talked about this before was the fact that we were anticipating that wasn't going to be a, a power brick inside. Uh, what else? And we, we were right. And and the earphones, or we don't have earphones, so it only comes with a power. No, there is no power brick. It's basically a USB cable, USB C cable to Lightning. The Lightning, that's it. Yeah, and then um, and the phone itself, right? So and paper, like a paper box, and, and a much smaller box too, like no 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 plastic in the box at all. So which Apple's been moving towards, um, you know, sort of more environmental environmental packaging. I know it's in my iPad Pro and my Mac that I got this year was all sort of paper-based, uh, cardboard-based stuff, not no plastic in the in the packaging at all, which is cool. So yeah, what do we what do we want to talk about with these with these phones? What do you what did you did you order a phone, Mark? I did. I got a 12 Pro. Okay, you got so we all have Pros, 12 Pros. Nobody decided to go with Max this year. No, I never go with the Max. I think right. they're just for me. They're just too big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had the Max six Max and and it didn't didn't enjoy it at all. What about you, Jaime? You had a Max yeah, I, I considered point. going the Max size because I had previously had the six plus and the seven plus and those were really kind of nice for the time. It was sort of like having a as close as you could get to an iPad in your pocket that you might reasonably get without it being a foldable phone. And and it was actually pretty useful when I was working in an office as an iOS engineer and say, hey, I've got this idea and you could show somebody and they didn't have to squint like they could see it from the other side of the room, right? In a conference room. Working from home, I'm like, well, that's kind of less interesting as a, as a parlor trick. And I've enjoyed the the very nice pocketability of the iPhone 10 and this device is is noticeably larger but not weirdly or obsessively so so it, it seemed like a good fit for me and I think yeah I think if I had gone the max I probably wouldn't have enjoyed the the lack of pocket space um, that, that it would incur but I mean the the downside is I don't have the uh, the fancy pants uh, camera setup that the max has this year right so there's there's some trade-offs there is there a difference is, does the max have that much of a difference camera that was the same camera I don't believe it is literally the same. I believe this is uh, one of those years where there is a difference. I don't recall what the difference really? is. Really? Okay. Um, but I mean, they're all, they were all really close this year. I think if you wanted something smaller, like an iPhone SE, or at least closer to it, I think the iPhone 12 mini is probably a pretty good choice for folks. Right. Yeah. But but it's still bigger than an SE though, right? Uh, uh, mini, I believe it is. Yeah. I believe the mini is similar to like a iPhone 8. Isn't it? The pixel size is different, obviously, because we're going from 6.1 to 6.7. So it's almost a full inch there. I guess it would be like a half inch tall. I'm just looking here. Camera, camera, camera. Nope. Identical cameras, I mean. They have the same same camera. I thought there was some difference with the Max this year. Like I know last year there was no Oh, sorry. The aperture. There's just, Yeah, you're right. The aperture is different. But yeah, usually they do side by side numbers. But yeah, they've got one one paragraph here for the uh, for the cameras. They both have 12, 12 megapixel. Um, ultra wide is 2.4. Aperture wide is 1.6. The, the aperture, the lower the number, the aperture, the more light you're can get into your lens and you know get a lower light 
shot in focus. So the iPhone 12 Max has a larger aperture. For, uh, it's 2.2 as opposed to 2.0 between the 12 Pro. They both have the same optical and digital zooms. Oh, sorry, five times optical zoom range on the on the Max. That's another advantage. Yeah, so it is slightly different. But in terms of in terms of the megapixels of the camera and that kind of stuff, they're they're essentially the same. And they both have lidar now, right? They have lidar camera. I believe they do. Yeah. Yeah. So for for me, I mean, I like it. Uh, I haven't really pushed the camera in any reasonable way. I mean, I, I guess I could turn down the lights and try out night mode in my own house, but mm-hmm. uh, being quarantine lockdown, at, at least just staying home during the pandemic, I haven't had the uh, at the bar with friends sort of, uh, you know, field test that would normally happen with these sorts of uh, night modes. Um, I'm pretty satisfied with it as a phone. I, I do think as much as there are nice things about the new, um, you know, squared off edges mm-hmm. of the phone, reminiscent of the iPhone 4, um, while there is something better in grippability, it, I, I don't believe this will slide off of your desk as an example, Tim, which was a, a problem with the 10. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 10 was like a bar of soap, apparently. But uh, I do feel like this is less elegant. Really? Design. Oh, like, I like. I, I, I just I like, feel like, I like the square it, edges myself. I feel like it's like more functional, but clunkier in, really? in how mm. it feels to me. Going from directly from the ten to well, the, there's no curved glass it, anymore, right? Like they had to have curved glass on the previous models, right? On the edges, the edge, the edge of the glass is curved, but here it's just flat, right? Um, I get what you mean. I mean, it's it's it kind of has more of an industrial feel, yeah. right, as opposed to a luxury feel. I, I know what you mean, but I kind of like it. You know, yeah, I, yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. Yeah. It, I mean, it it, it yeah. it's more, and I think. Tim, you're talking about like there are very many objective reasons why this is better than the device that I gave up. Yeah, um, but just the the feel of it just seems less elegant, and that's a very very subjective sort of thing, and it might just be a me thing, right? Well, so, it's more like, Bauhaus than Art Nouveau, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Does I know this qualify don't. as a brutalist thing? <laughs> I see brutalists thrown around a lot. Yes, it's a, it yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's yeah, it's it's industrial. It's sort of industrial would be the right way to say it, or, or steampunk, I guess too. Um, so here's a question for you guys. Well, if it was I, steampunk, you'd need to have a, like a Zeppelin attached to it. Or true, yeah, like yeah, or some leather <laughs> on it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my, the question for you, so, I mean, notwithstanding we're all sitting at home and we're like, you know, hiding away from the coronavirus, um, uh, L, sort of the, the 5G, have you guys noticed any difference in in service, cell service or speed or whatever? I, I can't say anything because I actually haven't activated my, my cellular yet. <laughs> oh, really? When it, what? <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, long story. <laughs> Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I got the phone, but it just doesn't work as a phone yet. Oh, right. so you're using it as a big iPod. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I will do that soon enough. The iPod 12. Um, how about you, Hami? Yeah, I I haven't seen the various forms of 5G. Like, I have been connected to 5G, mm-hmm. but on Verizon, they have, like, 5G and then 5G slightly gooder and then 5G ultra-wideband, which I think is the best on Verizon. I do not believe there is any of the ultra-wideband stuff anywhere even vaguely close to me. So the the little um, the little window that it has for those of you who have American models, um, it's got a little window on the side where where, where all the five G goodness penetrates through. Apparently, oh right, um, yeah, 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 right. My, my I've not taken advantage of that because I don't think they have it here in the Seattle area. Um, I have been connected to what I believe is the baseline five G. It seems approximately the same as LTE. I don't know. Maybe it's kind of like a more uh, more consistently 
um, or consistently high download rate LTE instead of being kind of sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not, depending on the rain sort of thing with Verizon. So I I, I think this from a, like, like if 5G was going to be your make or break, I wouldn't necessarily buy the phone just for that. Uh, look at it as more of if you're going to hang out of this phone for a few years, it's probably a pretty decent investment that you don't get left behind and be like, oh no, my, my phone sucks because it only has LTE. Um, <laughs> it, it, it just isn't. As far as I can tell, again, from the Seattle area, I can't tell that it's um, been useful for me, but I'm, I also don't live like in the downtown area. So maybe they have the hours up there or something. Right. Interesting. So yeah, I forgot about you got that little glass uh, antenna on the side, right? For your 5G? I don't know. It was a glass. I never actually tried. Well, you said glass. I don't know. We don't have the it's little, like, little... Well, I call it a window because it's like, a, okay. like they, they clearly had to machine a little hole for Lot, the yeah. for the, the metal, but I don't know if this is like a... There's, but there's something in there like plastic, plastic or whatever, right? Yeah. Some, some, some non-metal plug is there in the uh, on the side. It's about the same size. So I'm looking at the Canadian side because I was, I was just while you guys were talking, there's like a gazillion different configurations of, you know, GSM and Edge and whatever and, and LTEs and 5Gs and whatever. Um, it's it's like there's a hodgepodge of, of things, too much to go into. But it does say here at the bottom, there's a link. Uh, maybe I'll put a link in the show notes says to identify your model number. Um, head over to this link to check it out for details on 5G and LTE support. Because um, as you were saying, and as I realized I was on the Canadian side, I wonder, because it's got model numbers here for me. It's got like model a a twenty four oh six and a twenty four ten, and then though and they have different kind of configurations for their for their service. Yeah, the model numbers are different in the U.S. than they are in Canada. So your twenty three forty one and twenty three forty two. Did I just say? Yeah. So so clearly there's like different configurations of these actual fo- phones based on where where they're being sold, right? So like you've got AT and T Sprint, Mo- T Mobile, and Verizon, and of course we're Rogers Bell, and doesn't even say who we are here in, in Canada on the on the website, but. Um, yeah, so that's interesting. The fact that we're, we're uh, there's another digital divide between us, I guess, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm not really sure why. I guess at scales, scales that iPhones are made, it, maybe it made sense to not make all the phones exactly the same. I'm a little unclear why the American one is, is different versus, oh, well, if the American one needs to support this, let's just go ahead and, and make all of the phones like that. And yes, it won't be active in your particular country, but it means we save on variability. I guess maybe the cost. Of yeah, if that, that, particular if that thing, whatever that thing is, is an expensive thing that it might make sense to do that. Well, there's also regional regionalization and, and you know, like you have to get, like we have a, a like a federal um, standards see uh, something or other that looks at, um, you know, radios and stuff like that in our phones and or devices including computers and you guys have a different um, set of standards, you know, for, for safety and whatever and compliance and stuff and I do know that uh, Macs and, and uh, sold in Canada and the US are different too, right? I mean, like they're essentially the same but I think the licensing is different, right? Like my serial numbers all start with uh, with the letter C. What, what's your serial number on your Mac? Start with there, just out of curiosity. On the Mac? Yeah. You know, if you go to about uh, this Mac. It starts with C. Does it? Yeah. Oh, okay. C, yeah. C is in Charlie. C0 yeah. something? Hmm. Okay. Charlie 0, two. zero two Z. Yeah, there goes that theory, right? <laughs> Wait, you have a Canadian version, Tommy? With a Z? No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, all, it, it, it's slow because of all these superfluous U's in there. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually looking yeah. at one of Apple's support things. So I've only ever seen the 5G icon in my status bar. It looks like I think maybe 5G Plus might be AT&T's. And then 5G UW is um, only, it's the millimeter wave one that's only in certain areas. And I definitely have not seen either of those other icons in there. Hmm. Traffic's back enough to normal that I don't think I want to do like a, a little road trip just to try this 
out and see because it will just be a very, very long commute. Yeah. Well, you can always turn your Wi-Fi off and check out your, your LTE, right? Or your feed. Well, I know like here in my little area, I don't, you know, I, I've never seen anything other than the normal 5G icon. And maybe if I went oh, closer changes, to like right? CenturyLink field or something, um, maybe I'd be able to see it. But um, so what you mean, like this visually a different different thing. Like I think mine probably says LTE on it. it doesn't say anything on mine. Hmm. Yeah, I have seen it drop to LTE um, when it was raining pretty hard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I do know the icon changes, but I've never seen it go to the 5G UW. All right. Cool. Yeah, maybe I'll throw that link in the show notes so you can see what I'm talking about. So did, so I guess the next question, since we're going to the next article, did you guys get the MagSafe adapter for your phones or the MagSafe did not. cases? I did not. No. So the, the, the lead in here is that uh, Apple has, has launched, uh, this is on November 7th last week, it launched an iPhone 12 Studio where you can mix and match cases and uh, different kind of things to try and configure the correct, you know, the, the best optimal case and, you know, whether you want to have like cards carried on the back because uh, Apple has a bunch of MagSafe, um, you know, wallet attachments that go on the back of your phone, different, you know, leathers and stuff like that um, that you can try out. So, which is kind of cool. So the iPhone 12 Studio, they're calling it, uh, to go and mix and match. And I guess like you're, if you're, if you're so inclined to have a different uh, watch band for every day of the week, you may have a different, you know, MagSafe case for every day of the week, I guess, right? You guys haven't thought about, you know, what you would do, like in terms of getting a different case or different configuration, that kind of thing? Yeah, I haven't thought that far ahead. You know, so again, I leave the house so rarely these yeah, days. Yeah. I don't really think about having to put the phone in a case or anything like that. I, I will at some point. So was your I, your motivation for getting a new phone because you were on the plan or because you you needed a phone for development? Or uh, Honestly, I hadn't bought a new phone in a while and I just had the itch. <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, my plan expired a long time ago, so you know I, I, that wasn't really um, anything for me. And 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 I don't need it. I don't necessarily need the latest and greatest for development these days. Right, right. Um, but you know, I was still carrying around the same iPhone 10 for years, mm. so I figured it was time. Sure, sure. it's funny because Paul Hudson was saying on Twitter, I don't know if it's been resolved by now, but he's on a plan in the UK and he can't get the phone because they don't the stores aren't open, right? So he can't go. They won't send him a phone he has to be able to go in person and, and get it and for some reason uh-huh. yeah so it's kind of weird he's they're happy to take his money but they can't send him they can't get him a new phone so i don't, I don't know if that's been resolved or not but uh, that was something he was he was talking about on twitter a couple of days ago that kind of stuff so that's cool yeah the confusion around whether i would need to be in person at a store in order to do the iphone upgrade program which i am not on um made me say whatever i'll just buy the phone i'll get apple care and next year i can deal with this presuming that it would have uh, you know a, a post-COVID world at that point. So mm-hmm. I did not buy um, a case, uh, not necessarily because I work from home or stay home a lot, but because I've been going caseless since the iPhone 5, uh, just mm-hmm. my, my iPhone in his birthday suit. Um, I did consider getting the little like wallet thingy on. I'm like, oh, okay, that could be kind of useful. I might just want to run out with just my, my phone and my watch and, and you know one or two cards with me. Um, I didn't go that route. And I didn't get the MagSafe charger because I have a... Um, um, Nanami key, yeah. charger that that works pretty well. I have it on my desk. Um, I, obviously, it doesn't do fast charging, but not usually in a rush to, to charge stuff. And if I ever was, I did actually buy the power brick, the what is it, twenty watt USB C power brick for uh, mm. my phone, since it did not come in the box. 
right. I'll be prepared for next year when the 100% recycled brown paper bag is what my iPhone arrives in. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> it won't even it won't even come in a box. It'll it'll just be digitally downloaded. It'll be a virtual phone. Yeah. That you yeah. can just download. <laughs> yeah, you download, you print it on your 3D printer, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, so this this week uh, just on Tuesday, um, you know, we've all, we've all been talking about the Apple Silicon chips and stuff like that coming, um, and we were anticipating that uh, the, the one more thing event that they had this on Tuesday um, was supposed to roll out um, new what and what are going to be the first uh, iterations of these these um, Macs. I mean, the DTK has a, I think it's an A12 chip in there. Um, the little Mac Minis that we all got at WWC or some of us got at WWC um, to play around with it. Um, but now, yeah, now you can order. Uh, this was this was rolled out at the event on um, Tuesday. Um, Tim Cook and team. Um, I made some notes of the names, some of the names of the people. Um, they announced uh, the first Mac is going to be a MacBook Air, which is kind of cool. And and as a MacBook Air, I've been using MacBook Air since they first came out. Um, this year, I went back to the uh, MacBook Pro 13 because they're practically the same size. And there was a couple of things that I could get more um, uh, disk and I could get more RAM in a Pro than I could in a in a MacBook Air. Plus, it has four USB ports, so that's why I went with the the Pro, the um, 2020 Touch Bar MacBook Pro that I have now. Um, but John Turnus was introducing the new um, Mac Mini, or sorry, MacBook Air um, design, and and it's pretty slick looking thing. I mean, you know, the whole the the I guess we can talk about the chip itself. I guess Mark, right, with the whole system on a chip, RAM and GPU, and right inside the CPU, right? Or- yeah, the chip looks pretty hot. Um, it's got all sorts of cores. It's got those high performance cores, and it's got those you know, lower performance but sort of everyday kind of cores. And and presumably iOS is smart enough to know which which to do where. And that's in addition to the to the GPU cores that are off on the other side of this of the thing. I mean, there's no no surprise to me that this thing is blazing fast. I mean, this there's there's a lot of power on that thing. There's no bus Pretty to go cool. across. It's just running across the the five nanometer design buses, right, or transistors, right? That helps. Yep, that helps. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool looking thing. And so this is the M1 chip that we're talking about, which is the first iteration. We got three Macs. I mean, basically the Mac Mini uh, as well as the MacBook Pro 13 two-port version, not the four-port. Uh, that's coming later, I would think. Um, so what do you guys think about it? I think I'm going to get one. I still haven't decided which one yet. Uh, I think I've ruled out the the Pro Yeah. Uh, for the simple reason that I think I'm going to invest in a high-end Pro when they're available. Right, right. But they're not available yet. But I do need something sort of as a stopgap because my wonderful MacBook Pro 15-inch 2013 is seeing, you know, it's long, seen better long days, in the tooth, yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. So I got to get something. Uh, and so I, I'm really kind of torn between a mini and the air. Uh, I think I may be actually, this may surprise you, leaning towards the mini. Really? Uh, oh. Because I've, yeah, because, because I am viewing it as a stopgap that I can use later for like, you know, if I want to use it as a server or something like that later on. So if in a year or so I buy a, a nice fancy laptop, then I won't have this like still nice, but not as useful laptop that I invested in just a year before. Yeah, funny. Yeah, it, that's it, that's kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, I have a couple of minis too, 
well, I have three technically because I have the DTK here as well. But um, and I use them primarily for backups and stuff like that, and for mm-hmm. for serving mm-hmm. media and things like that. But um, and, and it's it's funny story is my my 2010 MacBook Air came home two weeks ago, so I've now got and, and along with the second one, so I've got a 2010, a 2012, 20 and two 2013s um, now in the house, and like just you know I'm 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 rich with MacBook Airs, but um, you know I, I think for the same reasons that I that I went with the MacBook Pro this year, right in the 2020 trackbar version. I mean that was another condition. Another another thing for me was the track. The the Pro has a trackbar as well, and I am a trackbook trackbar fan. I would probably touch go with, bar. You mean right? touch bar? Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> they all have trackbars. Um, yeah, touch bar. I mean from a performance point of view, they're very similar. But I mean, yep. what I like about the Air though is is the portability, right? So mm-hmm. like the fact that I can sit on the couch and tool around with it. But like you know, like I said, I've got tons of MacBook Airs around my house right now. So right, and, and part of part of that is part of this decision is because of my work style is I, I always use yeah, a wireless keyboard show, right? and a wireless trackpad. Yeah. Yeah. And you and, and close lid, right? And I keep the lid closed all the time, yeah. all the time. Yeah. yeah. So then there's, then there's the question, well, do I want it to be portable in terms of going out and about? And it, it's the same argument. Well, if in a year I'm going to buy a new laptop, yeah. probably in the next year, I'm not going to be out and about all that much <laughs> if things are going, continue going the way they're going. So yeah. So these all are sort of pointing me in that direction. So it's basically a desktop Mac. I mean, like with, with the monitor yeah. you have now, you have a 5K exactly. monitor, right? And and yeah, so you basically, it's like having, a, like we're not even talking about iMacs, right? Like in mm-hmm. this conversation, like I don't think any of us, I mean, I, I have an iMac here at the house, but we rarely use it anymore. Um, but uh, yeah, because I mean, I guess that would be the next sort of, I think the next version to try and get out there and get on the market would be would, would be a, an iMac for Apple, right? Because mm-hmm. um, I don't know if they, would they go with the pros in the next iteration? I don't know. Like they might, yeah, right. like, why not? Like, I mean, maybe in December they'll come out with an iMac for to try and get the Christmas sales, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, like the thing about it is, like, I guess, I guess December of this year, not this year. Yeah, this year, this year, year, this year. Oh, you think they'll do a yeah, iMac pretty quick. I mean, it, how long would it take to do an iMac? Not very long, right? Essentially, right? What, what's what's to stop them from putting like, or or are they just going to not skip over the iMac, right? Because essentially, it's a it's a monitor with stuff in it, right? So um, yeah, yeah, you know. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't think it would be particularly hard for them to do it, uh, but mm-hmm. but I I sort of think they would have announced it all in the same announcement if they were gonna don't you think yeah you think i don't know i think another announcement i think well i think the mini yeah. the mini in the air makes sense from the point of view of it it's a first step right i think they probably mm-hmm. needed to do a pro for marketing reasons because you know uh the mac i think they said the 13 pro is the most popular mac that they sell right so because i mean even when even when the the touch bar first came out they still had the function key version right and that was still selling quite well right so i think the low-end macbook pro is probably looks like probably a student machine you know like for for education for colleges and high school right um and i'm trying to think i can't really think of any reason i I did post here in the link we should probably look at that i got the side-by-side links of all three um because i think the the pro and the air are very close together in terms of configuration right battery life is two hour different um yeah the touch bar the difference is touch bar on the pro versus no touch bar on the, the air the chip is the same on all three of them same memory configurations yeah six 16 gigabytes upper limit on the memory that's i think that's a showstopper for a lot of people but storage all three have the same storage capabilities you can go up to two terabyte Mm -hmm. start with 256 go up to two terabyte um the uh the displays is virtually identical between the macbook air and the macbook pro 13 um except for the the uh the 13 has a slightly brighter display um and then just the size right everything else is pretty much oh battery life Hmm? did you mention battery life well the battery life is two hours different so it's like 18 they're claiming 18 hours 
hours on the on the air and 20 hours on the pro right? but my thing the thing about my, my the way i read these battery life things it's like you turn it on and don't touch it <laughs> right right mm-hmm. you know use it open up a code all bets are off right um the, I think the sound is different too. Yeah, so they've got uh, slightly different, slightly better sound in in the um, in the in the pro model. Um, yeah, so it, so essentially, yeah, they're 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 pretty much the same, right? So and the, and of course with the mini, you don't get the keyboard and the trackpad. You have to buy those keyboard and, or mouse. You have to buy those separately, right? So what's the difference in price? They start at six ninety nine, I think. Minis. Yeah, it's only a couple hundred bucks difference. Actually, it's not that much. Oh, eight nine oh, eight ninety nine Canadian. Oh, the mini. You mean the min, the mini to the, the mini? Yeah. Oh, the mini to the air is let's see the high-end mini starts at 899 base price mm-hmm. and the st- the higher-end air starts at what 1299 is that right yeah yeah what's the difference in in price between the air and the, the pro that's the one that's only a couple hundred bucks mm. surprising oh but you can get the air and gold though mark that's the difference oh well that's true <laughs> and yeah. you know you want that gold uh, gold sure gold mac right Jaime, you've been quiet. Yeah, because I uh, I won't be purchasing one. Um, they do seem, I mean, just pretty fantastic. I have the 16-inch MacBook Pro that's uh, oh, right. <laughs> actually slightly less than a year old. I'm like, I'm just going to ride this one into the ground. Or, yeah. kind of like Mark, this might just be the stepping stone towards if something else comes out, you know, they're like, hey, this is a, a 32 gigabyte um, Pro. Maybe I'll jump onto that or something. It, it's not like I need to drop, uh, drop everything and go right into to this. There will be a little bit of a transition period. So yeah. I can I could just swoop in once everything has been sorted out, um, and that's just because I happen to have um, bitten the bullet and decided to upgrade my 2012 MacBook Pro, which was seeing its final days. Right. But it, it it does seem really great. Um, I was really really shocked at how they said, like, "Oh, all these separate chips? Yeah, that's just one chip, now, one system, one chip." Um, and and look at these these stats that we're getting. And I also thought like, well, you know, they could have waited until they had the 32. Uh, gigabyte capacity um laptop uh but they can always do next year the m2 the search for more money yeah. <laughs> like yeah. space balls and, yeah, yeah. and get people who who thought that this was enough great we've uh we got the second round here's here's more yeah yeah by the way for those of you yelling at your screens there is a difference in the power supply the uh the battery on the air is 49.9 watts at watt hour and the um pro is 58.2 watt hours and of course the air comes with a 30 watt adapter and the Pro comes with a 61 watt adapter. So, uh, oh, it says USB power port. What's the difference there? Hmm. The Air not have any USB power? What's going on? It, mu- it has to, right? Yeah, two does, two USB a... two USB. Uh, yeah, I guess you don't have as big a bag of dongles if you only have two ports because one port's going to be using for power unless you pass through, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's that's cool. I mean, I mean, so let's move on to the next story, which is the uh, this is you know courtesy of a couple of people, um, Bevan Anderson on our on our MTJC Slack posted this and, uh, and another friend of mine just posted it as well that somebody's already done a benchmark between the Apple uh, Silicon M1 chip on the MacBook Air versus the high-end 16, Jaime's high-end, I might point out, 16-inch uh, MacBook Pro and the Air comes out on top with the M1. Have you guys looked at this uh, Geekbench score here? Pretty impressive. Yeah. Geekbench 5. I mean, that's one of the things where uh, I know there's going to be weird hot takes out there of like, oh, it doesn't do better than this thing. It's like, well, I mean, 
they, they weren't replacing the entire Mac line here. And in fact, no, the fact that they went with as many models as they did surprised me. I thought it'd be one version, like mm-hmm. just the laptops or or just, you know, like a desktop or something. Um, and to get the mini and the pro in there um, really, really kind of surprised me. I'm like, oh, what the heck are they going to have available for a an iMac or a Mac Pro in the future? I mean, it's going to be amazing given what they're already doing with this first iteration, first releases of stuff, right? Like it's right. It really makes you think it's like, wow. So if you're Intel, what, what, what do you do? Well, I mean, it's like you, you had, you know, lost the battle in, in battery consumption long ago, uh, or just never decided to fight it. And now it looks like they've pretty handily lost the, you know, the power in terms of, you know, processing performance, um, stats. So it, it's kind of interesting to see how just not really out of nowhere, because if people have been listening to this show, you certainly heard us talk about Apple's prowess in this, but for the like normal person on the street, it was like, holy smokes, this thing is suddenly way better. Like, why is, why is mm-hmm. this laptop get half as much battery life as this other one? Oh, well, this one is the Apple Silicon. Oh, okay, cool. I guess I'll buy that. Yeah, the one article we skipped over too was the uh, Apple's M1 chip claiming to be the fastest laptop in the world. And um, according to independent uh, studies, it has, turns out to be true, right? So did you have a look at this one, guys? This article from 9to5Mac? Two links above on the it's show. the notes. same study though, isn't it? Is it? The Geekbench? Yeah. Is it? Wait. Yeah, I think it's just a different article talking about the same study. This one that says detail and and, and the text says M1 chip is... Well, maybe not. Actually. Yeah, well, I mean, Apple was claiming throughout the whole thing and they showed a few um, a few things like uh, um, they showed some charts and things like that, which were pretty vague in terms of there was no sort of uh, metrics other than other than this is where they kind of, this is where they got to a certain threshold that, you know, Apple was here earlier in their little, you know, little curve graph that they had there, you know, in terms of GPU performance and CPU performance versus Intel. Yeah, but it's it's as a function of power, right? That's the important thing, mm-hmm. right? So for the same amount of power, you get way more performance. That's what they're showing. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah I mean, it, yeah, it's true that they're not showing any actual labels on the Y-axis, so what performance metrics are they actually using? Uh, however, uh, if they're even close to being what they're showing in the in the plots, that's a pretty amazing uh, difference. So, yeah, it would be nice to see some actual values, but but it, it looks pretty impressive at showing. Yeah, I mean, they haven't done any side-by-side comparisons with the DTK and, and my current Macs, but uh, I do know, like, you know, if you open up, when you launch Safari, things come up pretty quick on it, though. Mm-hmm. That's on the A13, I guess, right? Pretty cool. And I guess the other sort of thing that comes along with this, I, I don't know if you guys have been following, but the Big Sur um, beta has been in beta for quite a while, and mm-hmm. they even have 11.1 now, I think. Um, and it's now in, uh, they're not calling it GM anymore, they're calling it uh, Release Candidate, you know, in keeping with the losing the M word. Um, but yeah, so uh, you can today, as of today, as of recording of November 11th, you can um, you can download the, the profile and get uh, Big Sur uh, 11.1 release candidate installed onto your Mac. Um, but I believe it's coming tomorrow, Thursday, officially. So that's uh, another big, I mean, that usually comes with new new computers as well, right? So that's cool. And I've been using Big Sur on, on one of my test machines here for a couple of months and compared to, uh, you know, on a work machine and compared to my current work machine, which is Catalina, you know, virtually the same. I've had a few issues with, with uploading the, the or updating the, the beta the from one to the other, but that's kind of a minor annoyance. Um, generally speaking, it's it's pretty looking a pretty looking uh, thing. I'm running a beta copy of um, Microsoft Office on it too, with a nice a nice rounded looking you know iPad-y uh, kind of interface. Like it's uh, the edges are smoother and you know than they are on on Catalina and, Ma- and Mojave. So it looks nice <laughs> and it performs well. I haven't had like I mean 
mean, like, you know what I mean? Like every, every time there's a new OS, there's always some sort of little surprise in there. Um, mm-hmm. my, you know, the concern I think I would have for, for, um, these apps is, is native compatibility. And in fact, that said, I think a couple of the people, and I got one of these emails today too. Um, Apple is, uh, that's another thing too, that I, I haven't seen on the beta, um, of Big Sur, but you can run iOS apps on the M1s, right? Um, iOS and iPad OS. Um, and so I, Apple must be going through testing because we've all, I've gotten an email today. I don't know if you guys have saying that, you know, some method or whatever is not supported on the M1 um, in some of my iOS apps, right? So they're obviously going through and testing, testing yes, our apps yeah. compatibility, right? So for me, it was multi-touch in one of my apps. Oh, really? It's, hmm. not, it's not supported on that. Hmm. Multi-touch is the multi, multiple fingers or? Yep. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So one, one was a, a sticker pack that we had done, which is really surprising because I mean, sticker packs are pretty much just put a bunch of stickers in a folder and <laughs> images in a folder yeah. and publish them, right? Yeah. So we didn't do anything special for that particular app. But yeah, I haven't, I haven't got any more of these, but uh, interesting that these are coming through. Uh, oh, but I did. I got another one. It's live as we see here. Does not follow one or more of Apple review guidelines. Oh, no, my app's been out, <clears throat> which is not surprising considering it's a really old app. I have to go to the Resolution Center and check this one out. Does not follow App Store review guidelines. Well, how about that? Hmm. I guess this is another way to call apps, right? From the App Store? Yeah, I mean, it effectively ends up having that sort of effect if, um, mm-hmm. if you're going to maybe be multi-architecture, multi-platform. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week, so we should get into our picks. What do you think? Sounds good. Mm-hmm. You thought I was going to end the show there, didn't you? Um, <laughs> Alright, how many you up first? You got a couple here, right? Yeah, one is a, a little of an older one that's the uh, the untold history of macOS system preferences which if you wanted to see what the things look like look like in macOS 10.2 Jaguar up to um, let me see I can have to look at this little gif how far did they go do they go all the way to I mean it's kind of amazing seeing it went from sort of pinstripe very heavily textured sort of look and then you get up to Sierra High Sierra Mojave that start losing a lot of that stuff and Catalina and Big Sur you can see the big jump in things and yeah, kind of nice to see how they've evolved and, and sort of slowly over time it wasn't like i ever really noticed that oh yeah the keyboard icon looked different the displays look different but when you see them next to each other from you know version to version it's very stark and kind of kind of cool and in a nostalgic kind of way yeah the energy saver one is pretty interesting it starts with an incandescent light bulb and then moves to a fluorescent i think now in, in the last one it's an led right yeah which an l capitan it's switched to an led lamp light i think it goes to battery in this one coming in mojave big Big Sur, yeah. Big Sur becomes a battery icon. That's cool. And the mouse also changes along with the different mice that we've had over the year, right? over the years, right? Yeah, yeah. Because when this started, we didn't have um, infrared uh, mice. We still had mouse balls. <laughs> then the magic mice came along. And yeah, it's pretty cool. I mean, I, you know, of course, I've lamented or seen, seen all of these various things. And I still have Max running some of these older OSs, too, which is kind of fun. I really liked the beta when it first came up. But of course, it was very, impra- very impractical. <laughs> Not much ran on it natively, I mean. That's cool. What's your next pick? Next one is a two-parter. The first one of that part is the YouTube video that is the complete 66 Mac versus PC ads plus Mac and PC WWDC intro and Siri intro. It is sadly not complete. Uh, we will talk about mm. that in about two minutes, but this one is 30 
38 minutes and 50 seconds of I'm a Mac, I'm a PC ads. And uh, if, you, if you had a feeling for nostalgia, you could see mm-hmm. uh, th- those ads and how Apple was positioning itself versus uh, Windows and, and PCs. And the reason I brought this up is because the one more to complete the set is the, you know, I'm a Mac, I'm a PC thing that uh, has just the PC guy come out and uh, reprise his role in Don uh, Hodgman, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the, the Apple Silicon event. So I thought that was that was neat, sort of a blast of the past. When did that, did, was that in the actual event itself? It was at the very tail end, like after the music played. Uh, and so we yeah. have this link um, from The Verge where they, they show uh, John Hodgman there. So they sadly did not bring out uh, Justin Long's character, uh, but it works just as well with, uh, with John Hodgman, who was, was sort of the, the breakout character for uh, what his role is yes, right. as the, the, the make fun of the PC guy. guy. Huh, cool. Yeah. All right. I'm always looking for courses and stuff like that and interested in, in how, um, you know, the sort of the nuts and bolts of, of working with, with iOS goes. And uh, one of the things I came across was uh, one of my, my, my uh, people at the office re- reminded me to check out the CS193P course from Stanford University. Um, and I forgot the name of the, the professor. I almost forget his name. Um, but uh, this year is the COVID edition because he's basically, just like most university courses, he's pre-recorded all of the, uh, the lectures. Um, I'm actually on lecture, going into lecture 11. Um, they're generally about an hour long. Um, and he's, this year, it's all using Swift UI. So he's going through, and does a lot of explaining. I mean, um, he's kind of loosey-goosey about the way he talks about generics, but he calls them don't cares. Um, but uh, um, really informative sort of view of if you spend the time to go through it, um, there's a bit of, sometimes a bit of lecture. There's also reading material that goes along with it, too. You can do, there's like reading for the for the students, but um, you can go through these these uh, these demos and build the apps along with him, um, and quite, goes quite de- deep into SwiftUI, and you end up learning quite a bit about uh, not just SwiftUI, but the whole architecture. The difference is that um, I'm now doing it using the uh, the new app version that we have with uh, SwiftUI, where you can build an app as opposed to relying on on the um, the app delegate and the previous version. So that was kind of a I had to sort of muddle through a few things because I'd not gone down the same path that the course does, but um, really enjoying the course. And like I said, it's very informative about a lot of different things um, in, you know, lists. And, and of course, the, the new grid stuff's not in it because it's pre-WWDC content. Or it's four months old, this, this uh, series of lectures, but mm-hmm. good stuff. So I'd highly recommend uh, that if you're curious about, if, even if you're just getting into SwiftUI. I mean, a lot of it's, you know, review for iOS in general, um, but uh, but sort of goes, walks you through all the different the bits and pieces you want to do and, you know, and it's using, you know, um, MVVM, yes, model view, view model sort of uh, style. So that's good. So it's it's good for people just getting into iOS, but it's also good for more advanced people too. And the other one here I have is, uh, I just came across this today. I came across the other version, but I'm doing, I'm using the clean version, which is the gosh darn Swift UI. I'm not sure if we talked about the gosh darn Swift UI uh, previously. Um, there's a, I think se- we have, a series actually. of these guys, but this has been updated for yeah. iOS 14. Um, oh, Siri, did I say Siri? No, I said <laughs> Swift UI. Go away, Siri. Um, my phone's listening to me. Um, yeah. So yeah, and it does a side by side between UI Kit and yeah, we did talk about this before. UI Kit and the sort of new conventions in Swift UI and a bit of explanation behind it. So it's kind of a good reference guide uh, if you want to get a quick look on what's uh, what's the difference between Swift UI and UI Kit and that kind of stuff. So um, those are kind of cool. And actually, so uh, just as a as a bit of an update here, um, I have an app that I started in 2010 um, that is. Uh, uh, written in Objective-C, and a couple of years ago, 
I started adding some new features uh, to it. So, of course, I wrote them in Swift. Um, and this is before the codable was added. So I even have uh, Swifty JSON in there um, to sort of help me uh, transition. And uh, I decided to put an app clip in it uh, this year. And so the app clip is written completely in SwiftUI. So I've got a, an Objective-C app with Swift in it, and I'm now adding a target, which is written completely in SwiftUI, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool. Yeah, so that's what I'm what I'm up to. So, um, and Mark, do you have a pick for us? I do, yeah. Uh, so this is a uh, GitHub uh, page called uh, How to Undo Almost Anything with Git. Undo, okay. Yeah, and, you know, it's actually kind of old, actually, as I look at it. It's from 2015. I didn't realize it was that old when I, when I posted it. But mm-hmm. but uh, it's, and, and we've seen similar things like this before, but I think they're always they're always pretty useful. Uh, just to have all in one place, all of the different ways to, to fix it when you screw up in mm. Git. So it talks about, you know, res- reset versus revert versus just checkout dash dash. But the one thing that, that made it kind of interesting that I that I haven't seen as many places, and, and I have to admit I've never actually used it, is using the reflog command. Mm. And and so what the what reflog is, is a history of all the times that head in, in Git terms changed. So, you know, so if you commit something or if you change branches, it, it keeps a record of all of that stuff in a big list. And and using this reflog command, you can actually go in and, and sort of pick out uh, which commits you might want to keep around and which ones you might want to throw away and mm. return back to. Kind of interesting extra extra tool in your toolbox next time you screw up and get. Yeah, yeah I've used amend a few times, obviously. We have, yep. especially depending on your CI, you may have um, your, your continuous integration system, you may have uh, a requirement to, to, like for Jira, right? You have that, the Jira ticket in there, and if you forget to put that in there, a lot of newbies do. There's a way to go in and, and amend, um, mm-hmm. change the change the comment, right? Change the commit message. Yep. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, you gotta be gets, careful with that kind of stuff, though. Yeah. If you've already pushed, well, like anything else, if you've already pushed it up to yeah, somewhere remote, late. then yep. be careful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. Yep. yeah. But there's a lot of times people get jammed and get jammed, and I mean, sometimes you yep. get so badly messed up, you just go back and open a new branch and <laughs> cherry pick your changes and you know, forget about the previous one. Right? Yep. Yeah. Cool. This is this is actually really good because it goes off of not here's what the commands it is what is it that you have done that is horribly wrong or that you would like to redo (laughs) and it's like undo a public change or you know reset local changes like i've seen some of these that are like oh here's all these commands and here's what you might i i don't even know where to start this one starts from here is the problem how to resolve the problem which i like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. all right cool hey before we go we didn't talk about homebot mini what do you guys yes no would you buy one so so i really like the idea i I haven't bought one yet uh and I, i might buy a couple of them but i'm a little disappointed that they're not particularly interoperable with the home pod itself oh they're not yeah now i wouldn't expect you to be able to you know do a stereo pairing with a home a full-size home pod and a home pod mini because there's such you know different hardware you know that it would be hard for them to match each other but but i would have liked to have seen more integration in terms of you know can i can i make some cool like surround sound thing uh and of course you can by placing them yourself and figuring out how sure, to do it yeah. yourself yeah. but but i would have liked to have seen some software solution where you can hook these all up together they're all aware of each other and they are adjusting each other's sounds uh to optimize the whole set of them and you can't do that right now right, you yeah. can stereo pair to homepod minis or you can stereo pair to homepods but you can't mix and match so there you still can't so, do the quadraphonic dark side of the moon yet exactly yeah that's right that's right well you can <laughs> if you buy four well can <laughs> you be if either they, one. Yeah, well yeah 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 i did the stereo pair once with with the two home pods i have here yeah that's that's disappointing so can you buy two minis and make them stereo pairs you can oh okay. yes you can yes you can yeah i think and presumably there'll be a future software update that does this I, i'm i'm 
guessing. Yeah, and there's also the um, there's the new broadcast thing, which you, I mean, I know you live by yourself, but there's the uh, Amazon uh, Echoes do this, where you can you can you know basically call like an intercom system in yeah, your house. Yeah, the intercom. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep. And apparently, you can do that now with with not just I don't think it's just the iPod or the sort of the, the HomePods. It's also available um, to your other devices as well, which is cool. With that, you can mix and match between the HomePod and the HomePod Mini. That is true. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's cool. Yep. yep. All right. What about you, Jaime? Would you buy one or? Just, I did not. I have, have just Alexa the, family. I have just the one HomePod, and my place isn't really big enough to to warrant having more of these. But mm. I can totally agree with Mark's point that it, it hypothetically could be like a Dolby Atmos setup where you've got like five or six different devices that are all working as one in order to provide a, a, a really complete whole room experience. I mean, that'd be really cool if you could do that. Yeah. Um, but the the price is just about right. I think they just about nailed it for what this would be. Uh, it, it's never going to be the you know. Um, Friday after Black Friday after Thanksgiving, you know, twenty five dollars get a whole six pack of them, sort of thing, like the way the Amazon Echo Dots would be. But it um, was it one ninety nine? I think that's a that's a reasonable price. You might you might get that without feeling like you're investing. But that's too for much. two. They're ninety nine bucks. Oh, that's right. It is ninety nine. That's right. Sorry, it's been it's been a while yeah. since that event. You're right. At ninety nine, it's it's yeah, even yeah. better. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so you could see them. You know, well, I guess it depends on how much in demand they are. But but I, you could see them on special for seventy five bucks or something like that. At some Point that's right. possible. Right. Yeah. Well, since we're talking about sound here, just uh, circling back to the MacBook Pro uh, M1, um, has a, a stereo speakers with high dynamic range difference, and also has a studio quality mic. It's about three three mics actually um, compared to the Air. So that, so if you're into if you're an audio right. yeah. file and you want to make yourself yeah. sound really good on your Zoom calls, then you right. might want to think about the Pro. If but, you're that into audio, though, you're probably you probably have a standalone mic. That's true. That's true. That's yes. for sure. But maybe you don't need one. In this Maybe you don't. Yep. Um, yeah, how much RAM did I buy in this Mac? All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. So, hey, Jaime, if people want to get in touch with you, where will they find you? I'm on Twitter as at Dev of the Hair. All right. And Mark, if people want to get in touch with you? I'm still at Mark R at smapsoft.com. All right. And as I said, I think about that for a minute. Really? <laughs> been a while. <laughs> as I say every week, my name is Tim Mitra, T I M M I T R A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. And so until next time, we'll say bye-bye. bye bye. This has been another episode of the More Than Just Code podcast. If you want to find out more about the show, you can visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fireside.fm. There you can find a summary and show notes of each episode. We list links to the apps, code, and news that we mentioned on the show. If you like the podcast, tell your friends, leave a comment on the website, or write a review on iTunes. And please recommend us in your favorite podcatcher. All of these things help others find out about the show. We really appreciate your help with spreading the word. We're also on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'd love to hear from you, so use the hashtag AskMTJC and we may mention you on the show. Friends of the show can also join us on the podcast Slack channel. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at MTJC underscore podcast. Please consider supporting the show by pledging any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. Every dollar pledged helps a lot. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Not bad. Didn't seem like there was too much rust there.
I'm serious. It wasn't. It wasn't bad. Yeah, it was, well, Jaime and I are professionals. We still do this. We do this every week, right? It's, oh, it yeah, is a okay. very different show, though. It is very different. I have to sort of think about. Wait, what do we have in the show? Mm. We have fact check, follow up. Okay, we don't have headlines. Mm. We have main topics. the same thing, really. Yeah, it, 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 it's structurally very similar, but the 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 way things happen is different. Yeah. Well, that one we don't have to move things around. Like the after show doesn't come from the before show and that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. So we had our the coldest day of the year on Sunday here. Really? Yep. And that was, of course, the day my furnace decided to die. Oh, nice. So, yeah. so what's the deal with that? You got to get a new one, or you got to get it fixed? Or well, here's the weird thing. So it it you know died on Wednesday, and uh, I called the guy, and he said he'd come today. Sorry, called on Sunday. Have died on went Sunday, and so the guy said he could come today. So I haven't had heat since Sunday. Luckily, it, it warmed up a little bit, but Sunday and Monday were kind of cold. <laughs> to so go out and get so how cold was it like? It was in the 30s at night. Okay. I don't know. I have to do the math on that one. Uh, so 32 is, is oh, zero. zero. Right, right. Yeah. Really? That cold, so eh? Yeah, it was cold. Yeah, wow. yeah, it was cold. Yeah, because we we've had we've had unseasonably. Uh, war- I mean, it's like summer today. Like it's you know yeah. summer weather, like seventies right now, right for us. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, which is great. I mean, it's, you know, we got a lot of work done. We had our snow tires put on today, so we're kind of taunting the gods, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so anyway, so the guy came today and he said, "Oh, it's just this." You know, the code was at this. You know, this uh, limit switch, which is basically if it gets too hot, it, tri- it yeah, trips. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Right, right. He said that was just that just got stuck stuck and he fixed it and he's like okay it's done no problem right and then as he's getting ready to leave it happened yeah. again oh well okay so he's like oh that's strange so mm. he's going through he's checking everything you know he's checking the vents he's checking the you know he's turning down the the gas flow you know and, yeah. and he, he at the end he's like i don't know why this is happening it's just it's it's just happening and i can't fix it so i'm not going to charge you uh I suggest you call someone else. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's weird. It's it's just like um, that's like the thing that I had starting in 2017, right? With uh, at Christmas, it just stopped working, and then and then I, you yeah. know, if, I, if it was like if it got to like minus, like our our furnace room was not heated, right? Like we actually mm-hmm. we were convinced to use cold air from outside and blah blah blah. So we never bothered insulating that room. So if it got to like if it got colder than minus five outside Celsius. Celsius, then mm-hmm. the furnace mm-hmm. would fire. But if it got warmer, it wouldn't fire, right? Mm. And then, so that was the first sort of weirdness. And then, and then I found that after a while, I found that if I, if I, because uh, like it would be just sort of, I'd just take a crack at it, and if I'd look at the weather outside, it would, it would work for like a day or so, and then it would just stop, right? And then um, a couple of like, a few months later, I, I was dicking around with it, and I was checking out the, you know, I was going online, you know, reading about, you know, how to check furnaces and stuff like that. Because the guys came in, they put a new pressure switch in, and that didn't. Do F all right. I ended up putting that old pressure switch back in because I'd rather have the original one, right? And um, so I found that if I pulled the the circuit board forward, if I pulled like where the board was forward, it would fire. So I used like some duct tape to hold it forward for a cup for a month or so, and then the duct tape would eventually get hot and warm, and you know it would it would go back. Yeah. So then I put a little piece of two by four behind it, little you know three inch square, and that worked for like a year, (laughs) Mm. you know. And then uh, and then and then it just uh, it stopped in March. 
like it just gave finally gave up in March, and and um, so I you know went through. I bought a new board. I still have the board here. I should, I should go on Amazon and sell it because I, I bought a board to replace the one I had. And um, I finally got you know I thought, well, let me take the board out and look at the board, right? So I I've ended up undoing the board that's kind of clipped. It's held in with clips, and I flipped it over upside down, and there was a big burn mark in the back of it because it had hmm. it had blown out where the fan motor control was, right? Mm-hmm. And the re- and the the furnace guy that came in and helped me. There was one furnace guy who he's the guy we ended up hiring to, to put our new furnace in and all that kind of stuff because he's the only person who texted me immediately as soon as I said I had a problem, right? And he's always like, here, try this and try that, whatever. One time he's in Florida, he did a FaceTime call with me with me holding the wow. the camera up to the to the furnace and the whole bit, right? So, so you know, of course, when it came to getting quotes and stuff like that, I said, we're going to get that guy to quote too because he's the only guy I trust, right? Mm-hmm. And I mean, after all that I've been through, like three years of troubleshooting with him, right? And, um, you know, because we were making do, we had like, but we, we bought like a whole bunch of those oil. They're, they're basically look like little radiators, but they have, they've got oil in them and they heat up and they, they maintain the heat and they're much more efficient in terms of like electric heat, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, we have like five of them or something like that ridiculous now. And we and this year for, for air conditioning, we bought like three, we have three of those, you know, portable air conditioner things, you know, with the hose that goes out the window. So mm-hmm. yeah, it was, so what he told me was, it was probably the, because I was bending the board, I was actually making the connection, right? Mm. And that also explains why when it got hot and cold, it was actually making, it was actually closing the circuit, you know, or yeah, so that it, so the power would run, right? So, now, I don't know. I'd, I'd, be, I'd look at your board if I were you. <laughs> well, here's the funny thing. Yeah. Since the guy left, it's been working perfectly. Yeah, I mean, go figure. Like, so, so, yeah. but I've had, I've had things like there's a, there's a, because um, we obviously, we, we deal with, I think, furnaces. I don't know if we guess we, I would, I'm going to say we deal with furnaces more than you guys do, but I guess that may not be true, right? Because you get used to the temperature around, but the, the, um, the, there's a, there's a sensor in there. If you don't clean your filters out, the, yeah. it'll overheat, right? But that's what this was. That's yeah, what this so was. If, that's a sensor that gets burned out yeah. and you have, you have to replace yeah. that. I've had that re- replaced a couple of times and there was another one yeah. that, uh, I do kind of wonder if, if once it gets cold again, if I'm going to have the same problem, you know, it's yeah. only because yeah. now that it's warmed up a little bit, the furnace still runs, but there's something about when it's really cold outside and it has to run extra hard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then it's, then it's having the problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, that. we ended up buying, uh, we, we had a train furnace before and we went and we, all these people quoted us on these different things. And it turns out they're all pretty much, there's like, seems to be a few of them that are made. They just put different labels on them. In fact, we ended up buying an American standard mm. furnace but it looks identical to a train, right? The only difference is it says American Standard on the front. Like, I mean, like, you know, on the train commercials, you look at the furnace and it's li- literally our furnace. Like, yeah. it's, it's like, you know, like the difference between a, a Pontiac and a Buick, you know, kind of thing. What, is right? it, what does it cost to replace a furnace? Is it like 5K, something like that? Um, yeah, a little bit less. I mean, well, in Canadian dollars, I mean, we, we paid 13 altogether, but that included um, a tankless water heater and uh, and a new air conditioner as well. So we got a condenser oh, for outside. That as seems well. pretty cheap. That's Canadian too, right? So so it's like what fifty dollars American, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't believe it would be that cheap here. I just don't. Yeah. I, I just can't believe it. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. so so the one thing I one thing I found, yeah, and it's funny. It's funny that uh, like uh, there's there's one good guy. I'll, maybe I'll put a, put a link in the show notes. Um, one good guy on. I think he's from. I want to say uh, he's in the Midwest somewhere, right? And he's a young guy, and he, he's he's like he takes apart all. He goes through like how to troubleshoot a furnace, how to troubleshoot a blower, how to like all the sort of the 10 things that goes on. There's one, there's one episode he does where his top 10 search,
service related things with furnaces, right? Mm-hmm. And he, so he, he he goes through, he keeps a list for a year, and he, he basically marks down how many times he gets called for these particular things, right? And then he rates them, so he does the top ten of all of the you know the, like thirty different uh, symptoms that he's dealt with over the year, right? But so the video he does, he does the top ten, and then just for bonus, he goes through the rest of the list <laughs> and mm-hmm. talks about the fixes for all these. Like it's just like everything you ever want to know about furnaces. We're, we're afraid to ask, right? I tell you, I tell you though, what I have learned about furnaces, they are just big barbecues with a with a with a big fan motor, pretty much. Yeah. yeah, and a whole bunch of safeties, right? I mean, admittedly, right? Like you don't want to blow your house up, but or burn it down, right? But yeah, it's it, they're they're not that sophisticated, really, you know. Oh, is it is it gas? Is your gas or is it yours? Ours is gas. Yeah, ours is gas. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So if you know an electric furnace, I would have no trouble going in there and just mucking around with yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But a gas one, you kind of don't want to muck around. Yeah. Well, so I, I'm, yeah. I mean, the thing yeah. about it is, I can't touch the gas side. We're in fact, we're not allowed to in Canada. Like the, the you have to be a gas fitter to, to do anything, even to buy parts or whatever. But yeah, because even if you don't, even if you don't blow yourself up, you know, you you set something wrong and yeah. the carbon monoxide level goes up, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you die in your sleep that night, right? Well, we you have know, a, we have carbon monoxide sensors on our, our alarm system and all that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. Too. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. but like I even I even ended up taking the blower motor out this year to try and because because you know that was one of the things is maybe the blower motor is burned out. So I've got a blower motor from Amazon, and and I pulled the whole unit out, and I and I and this guy's video showed how to basically wire it up so you could actually plug it into the wall and just run the run it like on on regular AC and and see what the problem was, right? And so I had this the the blower motor in my bathroom like blowing like blowing it like a house worth of air around in the bathroom. It was like it was like being in a windstorm, right? Mm. But yeah, just just to check it out, and it turned out there was nothing wrong with the motor, nothing wrong with the blower motor. So I ended up ended up putting it back, even though I put the new one in from Amazon in. And then I took this one out, put it back in, and yeah. So I, I've I've taken my apart my furnace apart completely, right down to nothing this year, and put it back together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then you know we just yeah, we, then we just finally resigned and just went and got a got a brand new new system, right? Make yeah. ourselves seen. We started we started this conversation. I mean, is it's this time it was Mark's furnace that died. <laughs> yeah, but it actually didn't die. It just oh, it's doing what mine did, it, which is it like, needed to rest for a while, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was a, a wee lad. I remember, you know, playing the Nintendo, the Nintendo Entertainment System NES with uh, my cousins. And after a couple of hours of playing, your your parents would come in and say, hey, you know, you need to, you need to let it rest. You need to let it rest. You go outside. Yeah. Pretty sure it was just an excuse, right. but I don't actually factually know if maybe it does need to rest, given that apparently furnaces do. Yeah. Well, I mean, our furnace died after it was probably 17 years, because I think we put it in 2000, right, when we redid our basement. And so we got mm-hmm. more years out of it than we should have. And I mean, admittedly, yeah. but the furnace we had Not before, the furnace we had before I, that was 35 years old. So, I mean, like, you know. Yeah. I, I bought this house 22 years ago, and this furnace was already there. Oh, really? You bought a second gone. hand, like I was already. It was it was not a new house. New house? Like, was it brand new, like a new construction house when you moved in? No, or? no, 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 no. It was definitely not. No. Yeah. Nobody. Buy, well, some people do, but in Canada, to people, most people buy houses new. Um. Well, no. I mean, I mean some people do. Well, but. so the thing about it is, like, like, okay, so the Greater Toronto area, like, you know, um, it's it's getting to be a little bit like LA in terms of like the amount of houses and stuff around and how far it sprawls, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, all the houses, like, like you know, there. When I was when I first moved in with Carol twenty years ago or thirty years ago, uh, there was a lot of farm farms north of Toronto, right? And all of those are now filled in with suburbs, mm. right? And then there's suburbs yeah, going that, all the way up sense. to 
ferry up to the yeah. lakes, whatever. So, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I would think a lot of people are moving, a lot of people are moving out to the suburbs to new new housing. It's not like, it, I mean, I guess the GTA area is a little bit like the valley where you are, right? But you know how you know how you can go from one, you can, it's pretty much like one continuous city from one, like one to the other. Like you and I have drove yeah. and driven there before and it's like, yeah, they're, they have different names and stuff, but it's like streets with houses on it, right? Right. There's right. no sort of, there's, I mean, there's a few spots where there's like, you know, as you go up the highway, there's a lot of empty space, but here in Toronto, it's pretty much, yeah, it's pretty much all houses all the time kind of thing now. Like when we used to, we used to drive to the cottage, you know, there'd be a lot of, or the first, you know, third of the drive would be houses and then it would be, you'd be in like, you know, wilderness with trees and whatever, right? Um, but now two thirds of the way up to the cottage is, is just houses, right? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, over the last 30 years or so. So there's a lot of, a lot of, um, so yeah, I think a lot of people at condos, like condos go up like crazy here in Toronto, right? So I think a lot of people like the smell of new drywall and primer, I guess, <laughs> you know, off, off gassing from tile glue and whatever. Yeah, I guess it's, it's different here because there's very little space left to build new things. Yeah, that's true. And, and your houses so. don't necessarily like crumble and fall down like ours do, right? Like you're not, I mean, you're relatively moderate climate, right? Yeah, that's, that's for sure true. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, our cars rust. So do, we, do houses in Canada just kind of fall down? Randomly? No, not really. No, not really. But I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of, the lot of construction. I mean, how, neighborhoods get neighborhoods get gentrified, as we call it, right? Like our neighborhood mm-hmm. went through a real sort of gentrification, you know, where people mm-hmm. come in and they, they take down the old, you know, like my house is built in 1910. So it has a, you know, old 1910 facade, but people take the, fu- the fronts off and change the port, you know, change them. And some of them burn down and they put up new ones with just brick yeah, or yeah. whatever. But yeah, there's a lot of, and some of them look like bloody architects designed them last week, you know, even they've been all, you know, dolled up, right? So yeah, I don't know. There's, I mean, there's, a, there's houses here in my neighborhood that are like, you know, hundreds of years old, but you know, there are houses that a lot of people live in that are, you know, built in the seventies, built in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, you know, lots of new, lots of new construction going on.